Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns fall to the Clippers last night, 116-107. The final Suns hit the All-Star break in fifth, fifth place in the Western Conference. Just a game and a half out of third, but don't look behind you, everybody. They're two and a half games ahead of the tenth spot, so it is bunched up in the Western Conference run. Wolfley. Uh, Kevin Durant had the big press conference yesterday. We talked about it earlier. Thousands and thousands of people packed into Footprint Center hooting and hollering, booing a few questions. KD had to ask a few members of the media to repeat their questions. But one of the questions obviously on everybody's mind is can you win a championship? Now Durant, his answer was, I don't want to say it was calculated, but he said we have all the pieces. Now he stopped short of saying we have all the pieces to win a championship, but he said we have all the pieces to kind of do great things. But make no mistake, Durant knows why he's here, and it's to win a championship. Yeah, right. Starting like right now, this summer. Yes. So do we have sound on Kevin Durant actually saying that? We got uh, all the pieces um, to be successful. We got guys that experience what it's like to play in that final round. We got a champion already in, in this overseeing this. Monty's a champion as a coach. Um, so we got guys that have been there, and that's that's half the battle, just knowing what it takes. And, uh, yeah, we got guys that can do pretty much everything on the floor. So we got to put it together. I'm looking forward to doing the work. Man, do I love that answer right there by KD. That is exactly the way that it should be right there. Yes, we've got the pieces, but Basinonians, there is a huge difference between having the pieces and putting the pieces together where it actually works. I mean, I love the fact he used restraint. You know what the easy answer is in that setting, in that situation? Oh, we're going to win one, it. Not one, <laughs> not two, not three. Not three. That's right, Mal. Not four. Do you know what the, that is the easy answer right there. It's a how many are we going to win? Yeah. That's what I want to know. And the crowd went wild. Well, he learned his um, lesson from the heat. A championship parade before they even held a practice back I, in 2000. That is a measured response by KD. And when I heard that, that's that's when I was like, I am all on board with this. That is a measured, accurate response. We have the pieces. But based on you just don't know. You don't know until you know that the pieces fit. Isn't that right, Maynard? Yes. The 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 starting five is championship caliber. Now, do they have a championship rotation? Because obviously you have to have the supporting cast in place. Now, we're gonna see in the final twenty-two games how quickly they all mesh together and I'm I'm confident they're going to figure it out, Wolf. I'm not worried about that. But Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Kevin Durant have to learn to play together, and they have 22 games to figure it out. But having said all that, I look at the Western Conference, and I don't see a team that's certainly insurmountable. I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park for the Suns. There are certainly going to be hurdles. There are going to be probably six and seven game series along the way. 
But certainly I like the Suns' chances with Kevin Durant playing at a high level. Then when you get to the NBA Finals, if you're fortunate enough to get there, there are going to be either the Bucks or the Celtics standing in their way. So it will not be easy. I also don't think the championship window ends after this year, although there are Chris Paul concerns there. So this summer will be very when critical. When you say there are Chris Paul concerns there, you're not talking about next year. You're talking about this year? Well, no, I'm talking about the— Because I, I, honestly, right now, there there are some concerns in regard to Chris Paul that is out there. There there are some that believe he he's not as consistent as we have seen him be when he first showed up here. There is that concern this year, and those concerns will be even worse next year. I am, I would agree to I, that. I, I am I am, and that's not a. I'm not attacking CP3 at all, whom I love and respect. I mean, Wolf, he'll be, I'm not. It's just it's happening. My gracious, it's called be, age. He'll be 38 when the playoffs roll around next year. I mean, listen, they're, they're because of Chris Paul's age. Th- this is a fact. Their their best chance to win a title with this core group of CP3, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker is going to be this summer. And their chances with are going to be less next summer. Now, they may have a different point guard next summer. Or they may have another point guard who can help Chris Paul if he's still here next summer. So I don't know how that's going to look. But in terms of what we know about this roster right now, their best opportunity, given Chris Paul's age, is going to be this June to yes, win the championship. I, I would agree with that. Now, now... Listen, can, we, 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 listen, we can talk for the next four months about can they do it? We don't know. Are they, are they going to be good enough? We, we don't know. But I do know this. There's a lot of talk right now, and even KD was asked about it. Uh, hey, let's play the cut. Uh, is this season a failure without a ring? Let's hear what Durant has to say, then we'll talk about it. I know it's always it's pressure because I'm one of the best players to ever play the game. So every time... So... So, so every time I step on the floor, people are going to expect me to do great things. And the team, I'm on to do great things. But I enjoy getting better as a player every day. I enjoy just waking up and getting to do this. So I don't ever say anything's a failure um, if, I get the, if I'm healthy enough to play the game of basketball. But I know what's on our backs, and we understand that. And we want to, we want to do the most. We want to get the most out of this opportunity. That is the cut that I was talking about that I love so much right there. That is it. Listen, I, I understand you're gonna, you're gonna frame it up as a failure. For me, it's not gonna be a failure. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna do everything I possibly can. And if I'm doing everything I possibly can, and if I'm preparing myself, and if I'm trying, and if I'm bringing my talent on a consistent basis, night in and night out, I'm preparing myself, I'm doing all the right things to win a championship, that is in the end all you can do. It's all you can ask. Of course, Wolf. I mean, anybody, this, not only will the season not be a failure, the trade won't even be a failure. First of all, they're going to have a chance to run it back next year and maybe run it back the year after that. They'll refortify that point guard position with somebody more than capable as Chris Paul sure. rides off into the sunset. Booker and Aiton aren't going anywhere. They're both going to get better. We'll see about Durant's health. But they don't have one bite at the apple in the summer of 2023. Totally agree with that. They got a couple more bites at the apple, and they're going to make a run at this thing. And even if they don't ever win a title, it doesn't mean that 
this season was a failure, next year, or the trade was a failure. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you from a player's perspective. Because you yeah, went so after it. Is, you this, went after right. it. This is what I do, though. I think about it from a player's perspective, and I would agree with you 100%. But there are a lot of fans that are out there that I see their point. The, the Suns right now, my goodness, favorites in the West. Would you say they're favorites? There's a lot of people that believe when KD is up and playing and they figure it out after four or five games of how they're going to play together. This is going to be the best team yes. in the Western Conference. Yes. There's a lot of people that believe that. That means they're going to get the opportunity to compete for championships. When James Jones and Matty Ish, Matt Ishbia, when they orchestrated this trade, they were thinking, we're going to win a championship. We got not only this year, but three more years with KD after this. Each year, I, I would say, less of a percentage chance of actually pulling it off. But make no mistake, they brought him in to win a championship. They will tell you that. Sure. Now, now if they don't, from their perspective, they might consider that a failure. Well, I guess I, I guess we're getting into to semantics. I mean, and, and not not me and you, Wolf. I, I, will it be disappointing? Absolutely. Will it be a failure? Technically, yes. They failed to win the championship. They failed in their goal. It was a failure. Their quest to be crowned NBA champs. But I look at it like well, what was the trade a failure? Did they oh did yeah, they make right. it, did they make no a way. huge mistake? No, our, you know, is our, it a failure to not win a championship? It's not about the trade, right? And for I, me, it, from a player's perspective, no. But from maybe a general manager's perspective yeah. and an owner, yeah, I we get, didn't get it done. Yeah, and I, I get that's, that's I guess we're, I guess we're getting into semantics. I guess it's it's, 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 it's about it's, perspective. Yeah, it's about it's about it's about perspective. Like to the letter of the law, technically, yeah, you 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 set out a goal and you failed to attain it. So did you fail? Yes. Does that make you a failure? Yes, I guess technically. But it's hard to win a championship. And yes. the Suns the Suns did the Suns made the right move here. And I know a lot of Suns fans thought they gave up too much. We're gonna find out. And let's let's see let, 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 and let, let's see how let's see where everybody's at in ten years too. You know, Charles Barkley failed to win a championship too. Was that trade the wrong trade? Right. Was that a bad move? Right. All right. Let's take a quick timeout. Uh, when we come back, let's see where's my stuff here. All right. Eleven thirteen T's. E. Where is it? There it is. <laughs> who are the Cardinals targeting for their offensive? I got too many papers here. I don't do this all that often. Who's tar- Who are they targeting for their offensive coordinator position? We'll learn what about the. We'll learn more about the, one of the candidates coming up after the timeout. Joel Thomas next. Wolf and Luke Timmering in for Luke Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, Wolf and Luke, Tim Regan for Luke. We're back on a Friday, 11-17. We're talking Cardinal football. Jonathan Gannon continues to now cast his own net far and wide to try to assemble a coaching staff for his inaugural maiden voyage here uh, in Arizona. One of the names on the list to potentially be the team's new offensive coordinator, and there are a few names percolating. Joel Thomas, running backs coach down there with the New Orleans Saints. To talk about Joel Thomas and what he 
potentially could bring to the Cardinals table. John DeChagier, the senior writer for the New Orleans Saints, joins us now for a few minutes. Uh, John, thanks for taking the time today. We appreciate it. You're on with uh, Tim and Wolf. John, uh, before we get to Joel, though, quick question. What are the chances of Derek Carr quarterback in your football team next fall? Ooh, that's a really, really good question. That's a million dollar question. Look, I, you know, they brought him in yeah. to wine and dine him. So obviously there's a huge interest uh, by the Saints. And I really think it's just, just a matter of what Derek Carr wants. Um, it's probably one of those situations where the guy, you, know, you get drafted, you, you're with one team, you've never had a chance to to have that recruiting process in the NFL. So I think he's just going to enjoy his, his trips. Uh, but it really is just a matter of where he wants to go because the Saints want him. They wouldn't have brought him here and, and looked at him and looked him over. If they didn't, Dennis Allen's got a relationship with him, so they know him as much as anyone. And so it really is just a matter of what he wants to do, and can the Saints uh, give him the, the, the support system on the field and off that he, that he needs. Yeah, John, thank you so much for coming on once again, buddy. We've talked to you before, and I really do appreciate your time. Tell me a little bit about Joel Thomas, whom the Arizona Cardinals are actually considering as an offensive coordinator. You know, really bright guy. Um, when he came here in 2015 as, as a running back coach from college, he came from Arkansas. You know, we didn't know anything about him. He'd just, he'd been a career college running back coach. Uh, but his position group has performed well. I, I would imagine, you've got to imagine that he, that he learned some, some innovation from Sean Payton being on that staff for a while. And then he, experienced some rough times with this staff uh, the last couple of years. So I think he's a guy who probably has a good feel of what he feels like works and what he feels like doesn't work. Uh, what kind of quarterback do you have? Can you build around that quarterback or, do you, or, or is it going to have to be a run game oriented kind of thing? He's seen both of those scenarios here in New Orleans where Drew Brees was really, really good and you built around the quarterback. And then Drew Brees tailed off some, and you had to, you know, kind of build around your your, your running game and, and lean a little bit more on the defense. So he's seen both sides of it, and he had a great deal of input here because one of the things about Sean Payton and, and Dennis Allen also is they allow those guys to voice what it is they are concerned about and what what it is they believe will work, uh, regardless of your position. You've got a voice in that in that room in terms of game planning, you know, hey, this is going to work. This is this is what we feel, you know, we can call against these guys. So, you know, he's got that experience. Now, would he do it the way he's seen it done here exactly? Probably not. I'm sure he's, you know, envisioned the tweaks he would make to an offense. And if you've got a, a Kyler Murray, and if you've got, you know, I don't know what the receiver situation will, will be, but, you know, if you've got a Kyler Murray and he's healthy, uh, you feel like that is a, a foundational block that you can build around because it's it's hard to find a good quarterback in the NFL. We, we've seen a bit of that with the Saints the last couple of seasons where they just have not had the consistency at that position. And I know Kyler Murray hadn't been, you know, all peaches and cream, but he is still, when he's right, a really, really good player. And so that's the kind of guy, if you're a Joel Thomas or if you're any other offensive coordinator, uh, you might not have a, you might not have a Patrick Mahomes to deal with or Jalen Hurts or, or Josh Allen or one of those guys. But Colin Murray ain't bad if, if you're if you're an <laughs> offensive coordinator and you've got some pieces to go around it. You know, yeah, you know, uh, John, it'd be, it'd be a it'd be an intriguing situation for Joel or any offensive coordinator 
coming in because for one, your 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 head coach is a defensive minded guy, so there always comes a little more autonomy for the offensive coordinator. Then, as you as you talked about Kyler Murray, there he's not only a unique talent, but he's he's kind of a unique personality. So there, it has to be the right fit for anybody that's going to take the reins of trying to control and coach and coach up Kyler Murray. What is it about Joel Thomas that you think may make him a good fit for this situation? Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator, uh, former D.C., obviously, as a now head coach, and the unique traits of Kyler Murray. Well, I I don't know Kyler Murray personally, obviously. I just know what I've seen and read about him. But if if I'm if I'm reading the the room correctly, he needs a straight shooter, uh, somebody who's going to feed it to him, you know, and and tell him exactly not just what his what his pros are, but you've got to be serious about what your cons are. But you got to be serious about what what the deficiencies are, and you've got to work on them. And I think that's one of the things that Joel Thomas can bring to you now. He's dealt with Alvin Kamara since 2017, the running back. And Alvin's a unique personality. Um, he's one of those guys who, if he likes you, he likes you. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. <laughs> and, Joel, and, and Joel's one we of those guys. We all know who, somebody like that, right, John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Joel's one of those guys who was able to get through to him, even though Joel didn't have a whole lot of experience as an NFL coach. Uh, he's got that kind of personality. I think he's I think he's gregarious enough and, and, and bubbly enough, but also a guy who can say, look, we need you to do X, Y, and Z, and I don't care what it is you think you should do right here. This is what you've got to do for the team, and you've got to have that kind of guy. Um, I always say, you know, hey, as many good cops as you have, you need a bad cop. Somebody's got to be able to, oh, yeah. to like tell these guys the, the unvarnished truth. You know, because at base, I think a lot of these guys really, really, really want to be coached. And, and some of them can take it better than others, the harshest. But, you know, sometimes you just got to get real with a guy, especially when a guy isn't playing well or hasn't played well and needs to raise his level of play or needs to get his ego aligned with his level of play. I think Joel's a guy who can do that. Yeah, John, that, that was going to be my question right there. There are many coaches who get things out of players, and they do it in many different ways. But from a personality perspective, what is Joel Thomas like? Is, is he a hard coach? Does he believe in hard coaching? Do you hear him yelling out on the field? What is he like from a coaching perspective? I've heard him yell before. I mean, he's not a guy who does a whole lot of yelling. I think he, I think if he does a lot of yelling, I think it's reserved probably for the meeting rooms. I don't think he's a guy who wants to put, to embarrass guys on the field or put him on that spot on the field, especially when the media is out there. Now we don't get a chance to watch the whole practice, so I can't say exactly how he is once practice starts going. But we have heard him in certain situations, you know, get on guys. You know, and let them know. Look, you, you know, you you got to protect the blankety blank ball, or you got to run the blankety blank route, or you know those kinds of things. So, you know, he's a stickler for that. He wants to make sure that his position group doesn't have gaps, and he's got no qualms about if and Alvin Kamara blows assignments to take him off the field and to say, you know what we're in pass pro and you're not protecting and we got to get somebody on the field who's going to protect that quarterback because on this given play, that's what your responsibility is. You know, he's not a guy who's got 
any qualms about that kind of thing. And if he can do it with a guy who is as talented and productive and necessary as an Alvin Kamara, I think he can project and do that with everyone. Johnny, even though you don't like gumbo, it's just you're not a big gumbo (laughs) fan. Last time we had you on, that blew my mind. But thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, brother. We appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you guys having me, and um, and you know if you guys you know if 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 it doesn't work out with Joel, we will happily uh, retain him here in New Orleans because he's a really he's a really nice guy, really nice guy, great personality, and uh, we're always wishing the best for him. Of course, you know you want guys to to advance in the business, uh, but if this if this isn't his opportunity, we will certainly uh, be glad to have him back here on this staff. All right, Johnny, appreciate it, John Deshazier, senior writer, NewOrleansSaints.com, his unique perspective on Cardinals. OC candidate Joel Thomas. All right, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Why did Kevin Durant want to come to Phoenix? You'll hear what he said next. It's Wolf and Luke, Tim Rink, in for Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, the weekend is here. It is a Friday. The next time we see the Phoenix Suns, it will be a Friday. A week from today, the 24th, the Oklahoma City Thunder in town. Uh, That would be Kevin Durant's, of course, former team. And that would be the night that we suspect, we think, we believe, we hope will mark the debut of Kevin Durant's new team, the Phoenix Suns. Wolf, I know ESPN is planning on Kevin Durant playing in that game. Because, Why do you say that? Because they've taken the game, and they've moved it to an 8 o'clock start. Okay, ESPN, you, you're telling me, has taken the game, of course. They said, I, my goodness, we're going to flex this game? Is that the proper terminology? I, they, you know, they call it they're flex, flex in the NFL, it? but I don't know if they call it. Well, they're doing they call something it, We're with taking it. it. We're taking we're the taking game. We're taking the game, and we're also going to post it at 8 o'clock, correct? Correct. So, here's the media release that came out from the Suns last night. It said, the NBA announced tonight that the start time for the game on Friday, February 24th between the Suns and Thunder at Footprint Center has been moved to 8 p.m. The game will now be televised on ESPN. Oh! Okay, what is... They don't bust out the flex. They just did that. Do you think they just went ahead and said, we're just going to do it based on a whim? (laughs) A whim that may... I I don't know. Some guy in a suit's walking around, and he's calling somebody. He's telling his walk-around guy, Timmy. He's telling his walk-around guy, get me so-and-so. Get me this dude over there. You know, is Kevin Durant going to play? He knows somebody who knows if KD's going to play that game, I would imagine. And you would think he made a phone call. And if he didn't, what are you doing? I don't know if Terrence Ross moves the meter enough to get the game on ESPN. Terrence Ross is on the Suns. Get this game. You know what? Honestly, I should have just kept going if I knew you were going to kick Terrence Ross right in the cradle. I should have just, you know what, kept interrupting you. Hey, you wanted to get that line out, that drop that line, that little tidbit about Terrence Ross, of course. You don't like my humor? No, I I don't. T. Ross had 16 last night. He was was nailed off the bench. You're right. He's got the the teardrop floater down pat. I like what I saw out of him last night. Now, Durant obviously didn't play last night, Wolf. 
12 and the Suns lost the game. We won't talk about that. Let's talk about that press conference, though. By the time uh, you and Luke got off the air yesterday, it was 2 o'clock, obviously, and Durant met the media at 2 o'clock. So this show has not had a chance to reflect on the activities of the press conference. Thousands of fans at Footprint Center. It was more pep rally than press conference and KD. You talk about John Gannon winning the press conference. I thought KD certainly did. The great thing about Jonathan Gannon and Kevin Durant, Jonathan Gannon, you're, you're waiting to hear this new guy. What has he got to say? At the end of the day, it's also just kind of words because you don't know what kind of head coach he's going to be. Yeah. The difference with Durant, we know what we're getting with Durant. Yes. There's an excitement exactly level that's right. through the roof. <laughs> yes, and rightfully so. It was interesting because going into the press conference with KD, I wanted to see, I wanted to see Kevin Durant, um, be excited. That's what I was talking about. I, I wonder if his energy level would be up at all because we know he's a very stoic dude for the most part. I wanted to see to me if he was a little energized to looking around going, wait a minute, this is Devin Booker and that's Chris Paul and that's DeAndre Ayton and oh man, there's Monty Williams and James Jones, all the things that we think made the Phoenix Suns, very appealing to Kevin Durant. It's finally here, and he's here, and he's meeting the fan base, of course, with the with the presser, and I just wanted to see if his normal um, demeanor was a little energized, was a little bit more on point, was a little bit more emotional, maybe. And guess what? It was. It was real, and that's what I wanted to see more than anything else was real. The impact of what was happening impact Kevin Durant in a positive way. And I think that happened. It did. And what I, what struck me was it wasn't like Durant, it wasn't like this organization caught Durant's eye when they made the run to the finals. And Durant talked about this. Had the prior relationship with Monty Williams when Monty was an assistant coach for the Thunder in 2015-16. Monty was also an assistant on the Team USA national team in 2013 to 16, and obviously a teammate with Chris Paul on that team, and then Devin Booker later. Kevin Durant actually talked. He was impressed with the Suns when they had Gerald Green and the the, the Morai. Yeah, <laughs> and they the they twins. were they were beating the Thunder somehow back in that season where the Suns remarkably won 48 games. Durant was impressed with the organization back then. So obviously one of the first questions to KD yesterday was finally, after all this time, why Phoenix and how happy are you, Aaron Maloney, that you finally got to, to play here now in Arizona? Uh, they experienced a lot the last couple of years. Um, you see the growth in this team. Uh, when Monty took over, when James came here, I see the, the culture started to change, the way they played on the floor, the energy they played with started to change. And I always love playing here in Phoenix. The fans always show love to, you know, just good, good basketball in general. Yeah, they always cheer their fans on, but they show love to the opposing team as well. So uh, I knew this would be a, a, a great place to play and a great place to continue to get better as a player. You got Somebody like Devin, Chris, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton, guys that work. And I wanted to be a part of that. So I'm excited I'm here. I'm looking forward to trying to add as much as I can to the group already. Like I said, they built, you know, themselves up and built the structure and the infrastructure up for themselves already. And I'm looking forward to adding to it. 
You know, for me, again, I, I can hear excitement. Oh, yeah. I can hear excitement in Katie's voice. And remember, this is what I was talking about, Mel, yesterday, as a matter of fact, command and control. I, I wanted to hear, was there a level of excitement in his, because he is so mundane for so much of the time and very stoic as well. Was he, was he elevated? Was any of it elevated? Was, was he excited? And emotional, as I said, and he was on both ends. I could hear a little bit of excitement in his voice, and he expounded on answers. And can I just tell you right now, that that is always, that is always the indicator for a professional athlete if, in fact, he's engaged in the conversation and what is happening. If he expounds on questions instead of just answering the question, just sticking to the question, and that's it. He expounded on a lot of his answers. That told me he was engaged. That told me he was excited. And he was emotional. He even got emotional. At one point, that's what I wanted to see. The real KD. He's got to be thrilled to get away from Kyrie Irving. I mean, what a, <laughs> what a, what a, what a, put a tent on that circus. My, my gracious. All right. What will Jonathan Gannon's plan be uh, for Isaiah Simmons? Is Wolf and Luke timbering in for Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader? Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, Tim Ringen for Luke Lipinski, back with some Cardinal talk. Well, before we get back into John Cannon. You just want to listen to this rejoin, is that what you're saying? You just want to, before we yeah, get back is, into yeah. This is three-day three weekend stuff. What are you going to do about it? Greg Brady wearing a mask. I just found out he went to this concert. <laughs> who, who? Greg Brady? Greg Brady did. Wow. Jo- Johnny Bravo? I just found out he's wearing a mask for the last year or something. Uh, maybe more. <laughs> Don't hold me to that. Um, interesting. Wolf, did you hear... Per Fox NFL rules analyst Dean Blandino, the NFL is going to look into the tush-push quarterback sneak method in the offseason. Okay, yeah, good. Think about banning that little push deal that they created a couple okay. of years ago. Where you could just get three guys behind the quarterback pushing them across the line, or any player. I, you see, that's, there you go, right there, any player. What do you think? I, you know, honestly, I, I like the fact that you can... Um, Aid in a bed? No, I, I, I don't like the push with a quarterback sneak. Okay. I think that's, that's, they ought to, they ought to do away with that. Seriously, I don't like that. But once you gain yardage. Okay. For offensive linemen to run to the ball and to push their guy. Heck yeah. I love that. That's exactly the way it should be. So once you get past the line of scrimmage, yes. have at it. Push have away. Have at it. Go ahead. Jump on. Push your guy. If they're not going to tackle him and bring him down, Push him. But yep, the, but I'm the, all for it. But the quarterback but the sneak. the quarterback sneak, I don't like it. Put two or three guys behind him and just push him over. The problem is, J.J. Watt talked about it too, but it's if, if, if run correctly, it's become an unstoppable play. Yeah. <laughs> so then you get, you get into the questions of competitive disadvantage when something becomes unstoppable. I mean, it's almost like the Eagles get to third and two. You may as well move the, the sticks. Yes. <laughs> because with Hurts... 
and his ability to squat 10 million pounds and three guys pushing him from behind. Yes. He's going to get two yards in two plays. Yes. Can I also just quickly bring up the fact the XFL has a rule to save kickoffs in the National Football League? Uh, Have you seen this? No. The XFL rule? Um, it, it consists of 10 players on the kicking team, of course, and 10 players on the receiving team. Everyone except the kicker and the return, the return man it applies to where they line up across from each other five yards apart. You, you line up five yards apart. No one except the kicker and returner can actually move until either the returner has touched the ball or the ball has been on the ground for three seconds. So the kicking so, team is all over the field it's 10 guys lined up and then there are 10 guys lined up across from them five yards away from me oh, okay so i'm lined up across from you i'm gonna block you you're gonna cover it i'm gonna block you we can't move until the returner catches the ball or the ball's been on the ground for three seconds then you move He's and i've go- got to try to block you they're obviously trying to eliminate the high speed impact that would happen on a kickoff and a kickoff return this gets the percentage of kickoff returns 97%. 97% of the time, it allows you to kick the ball and, and, and they return it 97% of the time. Without it, it's at 38% of the time, which I thought was even high right now in the NFL because it seems like it's more like 25% of the time they bring the ball out. The other 75% of the time, they kick it off into the back of the end zone. Isn't the returner going to have a ton of space? Yeah, he would have a, he would have a ton of space, but it all depends where you line them up as well. Okay. So, it's going to be something they're going to have to work out, but you know the onside kick—they've ruined that. They've got to—they've got to figure it out. The kickoff has got to be revamped in the National Football League. It does. Right. It's well, awful right now. Well, if you're going to watch the XFL, and if those are the rules, uh, the look out for Josh Gordon of the Seattle Sea Dragons. Everybody, he may be a force with some space. The Sea Dragon. The Sea Dragon. Ah. <laughs> There you go. All right, Wolf, let's get back into the Cardinals now. Isaiah Simmons. Yes. There's going to be a new defensive staff, as Josina Anderson reported uh, yesterday, that Vance Joseph will be moving on. Obviously, John Gannon comes in with a defensive background. He's going to hire a new defensive coordinator. They are going to rebuild, not only personnel-wise, but schematically, the Cardinal defense. Jonathan Gannon famously says, I have no scheme. I'm going to put the players in the best position yes. that, to, to win a football game each and every Sunday. What do you do with Isaiah Simmons? Um, you'll figure it out. <laughs> you'll figure <laughs> it out. That's the approach right now, if you ask me, with Jonathan Gannon. He's going to figure it out. He's going to, he's going to watch him practice. He's going to talk to him. He's going to sit there and watch tape with him in a film room, and he's going to grease it up on the board with him, and he will figure it out. That's, to me, I can't wait to see the impact that Jonathan Gannon is going to have as a defensive-minded head coach on Isaiah Simmons. In particular, Zaven Collins as well. I'll throw him in there. Marco Wilson as well. I'll throw some of these young guys that are in there. Even Buda Baker. Buda Baker is still such a young guy when you think of he he's not even in his prime right now. To me, he's not. Um he'll he'll hit that in a couple of years. But you take Jalen Thompson as well. There's another guy that is just so 
so good. And I think it's really going to benefit these guys coming together. Zach Allen, I hope they sign Zach Allen right there. He, they need to sign Zach Allen. He's going to get paid. I hope they pay him because that's a guy that learned an awful lot from J.J. Watt. The impact that Jonathan Gannon and a defensive-minded head coach can have on these guys will be huge. But nobody more so than Isaiah Simmons. The... Plan for Simmons, though, no matter where he ends up, do you foresee Jonathan Gannon putting an end to the versatility that the previous staff incorporated, for lack of a better word, with Simmons and saying, okay, no longer will you be the, quote, jack of all trades that has versatility, you're going to be like the, I always think of Richard Dent, the old the old sack rusher for the Bears. They called him the Colonel, right? And the reason why is because he did one thing: he rushed the passer. It's like the Kentucky Fried Chicken. We do one thing. Isaiah Simmons, we're going to give you one position, and you're going to excel at that one position. We're going to we're going to find you a slot on this football team so you can excel in one role. Yes. Do you foresee that's the future of Isaiah Simmons? No, well, where where that's going to be, right. we can figure that out later. Yes. Jonathan Gannon will figure that out. Yes. But is that the path, Wolf? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Jonathan Gannon has commented in regard to moving him around. Um, maybe he'll change his mind when he actually sits down and has conversations with him. Maybe he will. I don't know. But when you look at him from the outside, that's what everyone wants to do. The guy is incredibly gifted. Incredibly talented. Look at his size. Look at his length. He's running a sub 4-4? What? He's, he, he's got all of this skill, and that's what makes you want to move him around. And for me, I want to stick him at one spot, and I want to say, you know what? This is where your career is going to sink or swim. And that, although that's not going to be the case, and you can still move him later, you want him thinking, this is it. I've got to learn the skills. I've got to learn how to play this position before I do anything. I, I want him thinking about that position and that position alone and what it takes to play that position in the wall. By, by way of example. Okay, Hassan Reddick. Okay, well, no, they moved him off the ball. He was on the line, the edge, coming out of the temple. They moved him off the ball. They wanted to make him a weak side inside linebacker. I thought he was going to be the best weak side inside linebacker in the NFC West. And that was not the case. His eyes never got trained on that. Isaiah Simmons, to some degree, suffers from that as well. So what are you going to do with him? Maybe, maybe you can... Move him off the ball. Maybe you start him there and see if he can adjust. Maybe you move him on the edge, and that's where I'd like to do it. Put him on the edge, man. See if he can't turn into a Hassan Reddick. If, in fact, you think that's where he belongs. Jonathan Gannon knows a lot better than I will ever know as to where Isaiah Simmons needs to be. But he's got to sit down, have that conversation, watch tape with him, understand who he is as a person, and then watch him practice as well. And then he'll have a much better idea as to where he belongs. Before we hit the break, here's what Gannon had to say about it yesterday. 
all different ways. I talked to all those guys um, in the last 24 hours, and and just like some other people that we have on this roster, Zach, Kyler, James, uh, we're going to use guys' skill sets to present matchup problems. That's adaptability. Um, when I talk about adaptability, I'm talking about our people in mind first and then who we're playing. And it's a little bit of a chess match with schematics of how you need to do that, all while keeping it simple for your guys so we can go out and play fast and be violent. But, um, you know, we're, we're going to maximize those guys and use them in ways that give us a, the best chance to win. I wouldn't, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in that answer in terms of, oh, he's going to do the same thing with right, Isaiah Simmons. Right. I think coaches never like to be definitive in press never. conferences, especially opening press conferences. I remember B.A.'s first press conference. Somebody said, are you going to play a 3-4 or 4-3? And B.A.'s like, multiple multiple we're not going to let anybody pin us down right. and of course that was that was nonsense they played they beautiful one defense, right? well played by ba <laughs> right they, they they're never going to say anything you're, you're not lying <laughs> all right coming up next uh, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day wolf and down your lunch wolf and luke tim ring in for luke arizona sports the local sports leader multiple